Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Do you know, <coughs> over the years, people will say to me, I don't know what God wants me to do. I want to know what God wants me to do. I just don't know what he wants me to do. If I knew what he wants me to do, I would just do it. Well, today I'm going to tell you what he wants you to do. I'm going to tell you, someone said, Can you, would you tell everyone this? Yes, I would. <coughs> this is what God wants you to do. But before I do that, I just want to say, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. It's not about what you want, it's about what he wants. So I'm going to start talking about how God wants you to be before I just tell you what he wants you to do because actually that's not complicated. How he wants you to be is probably, it's probably a bit more to it. And so God wants us to grow up. Yeah, <laughs> you might think, I'm a mature adult, I'm of a certain age, <laughs> and I've grown up. Well, I don't know whether we've all really grown up. Just take a good look at yourself and you think, hmm, I probably need a bit of growing. Look, God wants to form your heart. He wants you to shape your character and he wants to develop your attitudes. Start thinking about your attitudes and you'll probably get lost in everything that needs to happen Then you won't hear a word, a thing I've got to say. But God <coughs> wants us to be something that starts looking like him. He wants us to obey him. And that, look, that just means you need to read your scripture. I don't mean once a month and read a couple of verses. I'm talking about reading your scripture every day and absorbing it and taking it into your heart and hearing what God is saying to you out of that for you today and perhaps for someone else. Everything that is written in the scripture can be reread for today in our time in context of what was there. Does that make sense? Yes, of course it does. It makes perfectly good sense. So we need to read the scripture. We need to pray. It's not like, thank you, Lord, for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. It's more than that. And pray seriously. We need to be worshipping. We need to be drawing near to him and grow in humility and grow in integrity. I've been around the church long enough to know that there are amazing Christians who still haven't cracked the idea of humility and in integrity. We need to grow in those areas and anyone who is dealing with the public needs to have humility and integrity if you want to show Jesus. So we need to obey him. Is that okay? Yes, it is. Good. <laughs> so I'll just keep moving on. So we need to grow like that. Look, we need to grow in character. We need to become more like Jesus. We need to start looking more like Jesus. And so there needs to be some depth within us. Psalm 51 says this, and I, I just love this. Psalm 51 was written by David. He'd really messed up in a massive way with adultery with Bathsheba, and there were tragic consequences <coughs> to that. And here he's saying, he's just pouring his heart out to God, and he's saying to God in verse 10, I think it is, yep, 10, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And so David knows that that God is close to him and he just doesn't want to lose what he's had with God. And he's saying, create in me a clean heart. That is a prayer we all need to be praying, God, clean me up, sort me out. Put a loyal, put a right spirit within me. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit in that sense, although we are talking about the Holy Spirit. But this is to do with our attitude and our character and our integrity. Get that right within me. Don't go away from me, Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I need you, God. (laughs) That is the cry of his heart in this psalm. And then he's saying, you don't desire sacrifices or an awful one. You know, what you want, Lord, is a broken spirit and you won't re- reject a broken spirit or a repentant heart. God, I need you. Don't cast me away. I'm not, there's not things that I can do that will make you happy, Lord. It's my heart that makes you happy. And folks, people say, I just want to do this for God. Well, that won't necessarily make him happy. He'd be probably pleased about getting things going. But he wants your heart First, you get that, he wants your heart. And that means growing in his ways. You go to Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, and God says to the people of Judah and Israel, I'm just going to take 20 minutes to do context here, Chad, because it's really important to do that here, and then I'll basically hand over the team. So he says, God says to Israel and Judah, I want you to show love not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. (laughs) And so here again, the whole idea of bringing offerings, burnt offerings, is a way of doing something that you think will please God. But the bottom line, David knew that God didn't really want them. And God spoke this through the prophet Hosea. (laughs) Look, I want you to show love. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me. (laughs) This is about building relationship and and growing up to be like God. And if we think in New Testament terms, growing up to be like Jesus. And so Jesus had to say a few things to say as well. Read your Bible. Jesus has heaps of things to say and good things and things we need to know. John chapter 14, this is what Jesus said. If you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's not rocket science, is it? That's pretty right. And I will ask, turn the page, the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. A bit further down he says, And the Holy Spirit is with you, and soon he'll dwell within you. So here is a gift of the a promise of the Holy Spirit. The thing is, this verse about loving Jesus and obeying Jesus is linked to the gift of the Holy Spirit. These things come together. Love God, obey Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will do stuff with you. It's just there, just These verses are not connected accidentally, they're there. So the Holy Spirit is like this a massive consequence, so to speak, of loving God and obeying God. It's a gift of grace, but you love God, obey God, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and all this works really well. Okay. So we 
We need to obey Jesus. We need to, to grow in character. We need to love him. And if we love Jesus, it means we've got to love people. And so loving people also means we have to do something to show that love. Heidi Baker said something like, love has to look like something. Love has to look like something. You can talk about loving people, but unless that love looks like something, that, unless that, that love is expressed in some way, and in fact you do something, it doesn't mean anything. It is just words. So love has to look like something. We obey God and we love people and somehow God shows us what to do and we do what he wants us to do. This isn't enough for, for, for you to know what God wants you to do, but you're on the way. So stay with me. Now, I have this cassette tape. Does anyone actually remember cassette tapes? <laughs> it shows the age of the it shows the age, doesn't it? And some people who are younger have gone retro and, and rediscovered them because they think the sound's really good. Anyway, <laughs> I have this cassette tape. It's sitting on my shelf. It, I got it in 1979 when I was a baby. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. And I've got this tape, and it's by someone called David Wilkinson. Who knows that name, David Wilkinson? Okay, we know that some people know. He wrote this Cross and the Switchblade. If you've never read that book, I encourage you to get it. <laughs> there'll be a million copies around somewhere. Even if there's none in the bookshops, there'll be everywhere. People will have them. He was a young AOG pastor in America, country church, and somehow he left that comfortable life in the country and ended up in the slums of New York ministering to drug addicts and gangs. And he started an organisation called Teen Challenge, which is still in existence today. So he <laughs> ended up there ministering to heroin addicts and they, they started Teen Challenge and it's quite an amazing story when you read it and <coughs> people would join him. And when you join Teen Challenge in those days and probably the same today, <coughs> you don't get paid because they don't have any money to pay people. <coughs> All their money goes into the ministry to help people whose lives are absolutely broken and messed up. And this girl came to work with the organisation and one day she comes to him and says, Mr Wilkinson, Mr Wilkinson, <coughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't know how to love people. I don't know what to do. I just don't love people. And he says, okay. He says, this is what I want you to do. <coughs> so he wrote down an address and he said, go to that building, go to the top floor, it's the 10th floor, Go to this number, knock on the door, and when you go in, do anything that needs to be done in that apartment. If the dishes need washing, wash them. If the clothes need washing or, or folding or iron, they probably didn't even have an iron, do that. If the baby needs changing, do that. Whatever needs doing, just do it. And when you finish, go next door, knock on the door, and go and do the same thing, and then go right through that floor. And then go down to the next floor and repeat that all over and keep doing that until you've done the whole block. He said, hours later, it wasn't days, hours later, hours later, and she came back and she's like radiant. She's beaming and she goes, Mr. Wilkerson, Mr. Wilkerson, you knew what you were doing. I had all this love inside of me. I just needed someone to put it out on. 
Love has got to look like something. It's also got to be in your heart. (coughs) The Holy Spirit empowers you to love. The fruit of the Spirit, love is part of that. And you're thinking, here he goes again on the fruit of the Spirit again. That's right. (coughs) The fruit of the Spirit shows something of the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness and (coughs) self-control. And my challenge, again, is to memorise those. Do it it in blocks of threes. (coughs) Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's like a phone number. (coughs) You can remember it that way. And people say, yeah, but that's too much. Who can be that good? Who Who can somehow be that amazing to have all of that? Well, you can. Yes, you can. You have the Holy Spirit, and it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fuels the fruit of the Spirit. And so you can grow in the fruit of the Spirit if you trust in the Holy Spirit. You need to say, I need to grow in this area. Grow me up, Lord. So I start looking like Jesus. Grow me in this area. (laughs) Grow me in that. And you grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Look, the fruit of the Spirit is essential if you are a, a, a son or daughter of God, if you want to move in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit trains you, trains your character to handle the gifts of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Look, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are amazing tools in ministry. They're weapons in warfare, fighting the forces of darkness and and evil and Satan. And so to, to do that, to handle those gifts, you've got to be trained in character to handle the gifts. There's a saying, and it's not my saying, but I wish it was because I could brag about it, but <laughs> your character needs to match the gift. If you have spiritual gifts, which you do, your character needs to match the gift. I remember saying that once, and there's this woman in the conversation who was very much into spiritual power. She says, oh, I don't agree with that. And I thought... I just won't. I didn't even bother to argue. <laughs> there wasn't much point. If you look in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there are people there who have incredible spiritual power and their character is lacking. You look at Elijah. Amazing. He had an incredible power in the prophetic. He prophesied a drought into happening. He prophesies the end of the drought happening. He calls fire down from heaven and burns up a sacrifice. You've got to say, that's a lot going for you, isn't it? And then he's in a situation where the king wants to speak to him, so he sends a company of soldiers out to bring him in. And he's cranky. He's, he's irritable. And he calls fire down on this, this company of soldiers and they get burned up. So another one comes out and the same thing happens. The third one comes out and the captain says, look, just just give us a a chance here. We're only the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. And so God speaks to him and he goes and talks to the king. You've got to say, Elijah is not someone I'd want to hang around with. And yet he was a man of God. He was full of spiritual power. But you and I are sons and daughters of God and we need to be full of spiritual power and we also need to be just bursting with the fruit of the Spirit. 
People have got to see Jesus in us. People have got to be able to see Jesus in the way you, you behave and act. Something of the forgiveness of Jesus who went to the cross that we might live and get forgiven. Something of the power and the wonder and the glory of the resurrection. People have got to see that in us. It's got to be evident in us. People got to know that they're loved. I don't know how many times I've seen this happen, <coughs> but we've been having ministry going and there's people praying for people and it could be a big conference, it could be here. No, I didn't see that happen here. And <coughs> not We've seen prayer happening here. And you get someone, they got the hand on them, they're praying away and they're praying away in tongues, just looking around everywhere. Folks, <coughs> when you are praying for someone, someone is there because they've got good reason. They have need of something. And they need to, you need to give them your attention. Alex, <laughs> there's a lot of listening as has to happen in this point. You've got to love those people. <laughs> You've got to love those people and take them seriously. So you don't start looking around. You just look at that person and start observing what God is doing on them. And you're thinking, how do you know that? I can't explain it. <laughs> you start learning how to minister people. You start seeing God working on them. If you don't believe me, come and talk to me later and we'll, we'll get you going praying for people and you will learn that. <laughs> so people need to know they're loved and when people know they're loved, it changes their lives. So let's just go back to where I started. What does God want you to do? Do you want to know? Okay, I'm going to tell you <laughs> right out of the Bible. <laughs> I'm appealing to Scripture so here's the first one, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm always with you. That's the first one. <laughs> That's what God wants you to do. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That would be a great mission statement for any church. Make disciples. You're not happy with that, are you? You know, I'm smiling. <laughs> Baptise them. Well, okay, that's probably easier than going making disciples and teaching them everything. <laughs> well, we love telling everyone how they ought to be. So I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, we'll, let's go to another scripture, and I won't go to Hosea. We'll go to Luke. <laughs> Luke chapter nine, verse one. One day, Jesus called together the twelve disciples. And by the way. When it, just because this is 12 disciples doesn't mean to say it doesn't apply to us, because it does. And if you don't believe me, ask Chad. Okay. One day, Jesus called together 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, to heal all the diseases. He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. <laughs> so what else does he want you to do? Talk about the kingdom of God, heal the sick and cast out demons. You start doing that, people will sit up and take notice and start receiving Jesus and you just made your first disciple. How about that? There you go. There's a bit of a plan here, a bit of a strategy. <laughs> just to add a bit more to that, we'll just get a little bit more onto that one. Now back to Hosea keeps on wanting coming up. I don't know what's happening there. Maybe I've lost the page I want to go to, but I'll find it. So Matthew chapter 10, I think it's that one. I did have a marker in here, but 
it mysteriously vanished. It, it, it went to heaven. It went to heaven. Oh, okay. Oh, it's not good down there. because, it <laughs> But it doesn't matter because I found Jesus. So it's a similar story, right? Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, right? And to heal every kind of disease and illness. Very similar. But there's more. There's more. <laughs> you go to verse 7 and he says, Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is here. That's preaching the gospel. That's telling people about Jesus. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. <laughs> so what does God want you to do? Heal the sick, cast out demons, cure people of leprosy, and raise the dead and make disciples and baptise them. There's a, there's a progress here. There's a plan here. If you, you had to go and make disciples, say, I don't know what to do. Well, start healing some people. Start raising a few dead people. And <laughs> Jesus did that. And you're thinking, who goes around raising dead people? Well, some people do. Do you know in the underground church in, in China, there's, there's millions and millions and millions of people in that. And there's some leaders of these various branches of these different churches who meet together regularly. There's a handful of them, men and women, maybe, I don't think there's even 20 of them, to get into this group who basically coordinate things in this underground church. They have to at least raise three people from the dead. I'm not kidding you. Just, just research that one up. That is like, wow. There's a member of this congregation. I don't think she's here today. <laughs> and... She was in Africa with a group and they were ministering in villages in western Uganda and, you know, I've been to some of these places later and they were in this particular meeting and they were praying for people and this young woman who was very pregnant came up to her and it was, and there was, she couldn't speak English, which is pretty unusual because most people seem to be able to do that. And from what Mim could get with an interpreter, <laughs> that she hadn't felt this baby move for three or four weeks or something like that, and she was very pregnant. And she was really worried, which she had good reason to be. And, that. and so she started praying for her, and all of a sudden, this, this woman's face just lit up, and she burst into tears, and the baby had started to kick. Now, I don't know whether that baby had died in the womb, but what I do know, at that point, the baby started to kick. That's, that's what I do know. And that woman is part of this church, by the way. And if she's here, she'll probably belt me afterwards. <laughs> but that's all right. <clears throat> so he wants you to do that. We need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit to love people. We need the Holy Spirit to hear the voice of God to say, be this, do that, go and do this. Just act like Jesus and be Jesus to someone. And so how does Jesus know what to do? Because he only does what he hears his what he sees his Father doing. John chapter 5 verse 19. I only do what I see my Father doing. And so Jesus can see somehow see what the Father is doing and that's what he does. And how does Jesus know what the Father is doing anyway? He's a human being full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the 
Holy Spirit, maybe the Holy Spirit shows him things, gives him visions, speaks to him in, into his heart. Go and heal this person. We, we, we're saving Zacchaeus today. We're doing this. We're doing that. And so he has a relationship with the Father. And we need that same kind of relationship with Jesus. And if we've got that same kind of relationship with Jesus, we've got that same kind of relationship with the Father. And so we need to be doing what the Father is doing. And that is what Jesus is doing. And how do I know? We ask the Holy Spirit to show us. Now, that isn't hard to do. <laughs> it's hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit showing you and then you actually doing what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. So I'll just go back to where I started. What does God want you to do? He wants you to make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, <laughs> cast out demons, talk about Jesus, give it a shot, <laughs> give it a go. You know, you could be down the shopping centre and before you go and you say, Lord, show me someone here today that I can speak to. Show me something in my mind and heart now that will direct me to that person. <laughs> Show me perhaps a, a colour of a, of a shirt or a dress they're wearing or near a particular place there is something going on. Show me. This is not my original idea. There's, there's a concept called, called treasure hunting. And if you want to know more about it, come and talk to me. I'll lend you the book. <laughs> it's a, like a simple method that really works. Show me, Lord, you need the Holy Spirit for this. The more you interact with people and love people and show people, the more the things of God happens and the more people are touched by God. You could end up with a ministry. But, you know, ultimately it's not ending up with a ministry, it's ending up with a lifestyle. A lifestyle where you heal the sick and you talk about the kingdom of God where you make disciples you may have a ministry in that but a lifestyle grabs hold of your heart as well as what you do now I'm just going to say this I probably still haven't told you enough for you to know what God wants you to do you're probably thinking I really like the sound of all this stuff going and healing people and raising people from the deep. Probably, I like this, but where do I start knowing what God wants me to do? I will give you a personal testimony of, me, of, of, of something that worked for me. I got this from a South Australian pastor who in his day was incredibly significant, not only here in South Australia, but in Australia and across the world. A really significant guy. And somehow, back in the early 2000s, he became my mentor. And that was a real God thing because in those days, I was a member, a pastor in a traditional congregation. And he was a Pentecostal pastor. Back in the early 2000s, the denomination that I was involved with, and I was a pastor of a church here, a sizable church, was moving in a direction in the area of sexuality that, to me, totally contradicted what Scripture had to say about morality and sexuality and things like that and marriage and that. And so 
I was really struggling with this and, and, and somehow around this time this man became my mentor and I would go and meet with him about every six weeks and he'd say, well, tell me what's going on in your life and I'd talk about different things that were happening in ministry, areas I was struggling in and he would just simply share what he did when he went through those types of things back in his day which wasn't all that long ago and it was probably still happening and what he would do and it was always uncomplicated there was nothing difficult about what he what he he did and so he would talk about that and that would give me ideas okay that's what i need to to do something like that to start thinking like that to move on and so i was at this point where maureen and i are thinking what are we going to do here we cannot stay with this denomination it just isn't for us. It's, there's something wrong with all this and we need to go. But we didn't know what to do. And God didn't seem to be telling us what to do. We needed, I was like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I wish he'd tell me what to do. And so this, this, this man, this, he's a friend. He said, well, when I have something really big like this that I really need to know what God wants me to do this is what I do this is what he did this is what I did you can do what you like with this this is my story and so he said ask the Holy Spirit to show you ask the Holy Spirit to show you through prophecy the Word of God and people and pray that every day simply for 30 days and then you'll know what to do that was my that was my advice (laughs) Do this for 30 days and then you'll know what to do. I thought, right. So I went home and told Maureen this and she said, well, all right. And I can't, what did you think at the time? It's a bit too simple, isn't it? And you didn't think it was too simple? No, it was was uncomplicated. So I started praying that for 30 days. This led into Easter. Every Easter for years and even until the last two or three years, Maureen and I, on Easter, over Easter, on Good Friday and on the Sunday, would go to this, this Easter camp that a friend of mine used to run. There's 150 people would turn up, that stacks and stacks of teenagers. And we'd go up on the Friday afternoon and do an elective on the Holy Spirit. We'd go on Sunday and do another elective on the Holy Spirit and stay for the evening worship and rally, which always went nuts. There's a whole heap of teenagers from our church had, had gone up there with us. <laughs> and so it was just going crazy. It was just like an amazing time. It was just an amazing time. And so we probably didn't leave there too early. We were at Mount Barker's, an hour to get home. I remember we were driving home and we are just chatting and we're driving through the Kaipo Forest. It is like pitch black. And the clock on the car said 11.59. 30 days was almost up and the clock clicked over to 12 o'clock and I said to Maureen as we're driving through the Kaipo forest, well, 30 days is up. And she says, what are we doing? I says, I think we're leaving. She says, I think you're right. Four Sundays later, we started Southern Gateway Community Church, morning and night, and that church is still flourishing and going well is now called Impact Church. The, part, the campus pastor there, Sam and Yana Dunbar, were two of our kids in our youth group. I was there, they were my interns. The thing is, 
That is my personal testimony. I ask God to show me how to, what to do. And if you want to know what God wants you to do, you could use that process, but read your Bible. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Preach the gospel. Make, God, make, make disciples. Why don't you stand? <laughs> but you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot make disciples of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course if you're ever in the area please pop in and say good day.